Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Welcome to Easter Sunday. How we doing? It's awesome. It is good to see you guys here today. We were talking a long time ago about what we wanted to do for Easter, and we were saying, man, Easter is so crazy and bright and vivid. How can we reflect that? And the answer was, let's go as 80s as we possibly can. And so that's kind of what you've been experiencing a little bit of the neon 80s, and we believe uh, that celebrating Jesus should be done in as loud and vibrant and vivid as a way as possible. Amen? And so we're glad that you are here to help us do that. And um, we are live online right now as well, so shout out to everyone watching on Facebook. That is great and a little terrifying. And so <laughs> let's celebrate Easter together. Um, there is a hugely popular video game kind of taking the world by storm right now. It is called Fortnite. And I'm not addicted to Fortnite. You are. Leave me alone. <laughs> so we were playing Fortnite. The premise of this game is that you're playing online with other people. 99 of you are dropped onto an island full of, like, weapons and chaos, and you're supposed to eliminate everyone else and be the last person standing. Survival game. And it's bright and fun and cartoony. It's not super violent. Don't email me. But this is, this is what Fortnite looks like. But here's the thing. I am bad at Fortnite. I have not won yet a single game. I have come second multiple times, but I just can't seem to clinch the victory. And, and it stinks because it, you're playing against, like, most of them are kids. It's children. I hate getting beat by kids. It's not fun. It's humiliating. And so I solved this temporarily. I discovered that you can actually play on a team of four. So the game will throw you on a, a squad with three other complete strangers. And I was like, maybe I'll get put on a team with someone who's really, really good and just ride their coattails to victory and say that I won a game. That's all I want to do. And so I, I went on and, and joined this squad. And uh, we, you're wearing, like, the headset thing so that you can talk to these people. And uh, so, like, the second time I did this, second time, uh, we, we kind of land on the island, and this kid on my squad pipes up, which had never happened yet. And he's a kid because you can tell, like, his voice is like this. And he's like, hey, guys, let's go. And I'm like, oh, good, good. I'm with a 12-year-old. This is going to be awesome. And then the next kid pipes up, and he sounds exactly the same. He's like, yeah, woo. And he's like 12 years old also. And I'm thinking, how did I get stuck with two kids? There's no way we're going to win this thing. And then the third kid pipes up, and he's younger. He's, he's got to be like 9 or 10. English is not his first language. And, and he's just kind of going, yeah, which is bilingual, to be fair. But I'm still like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And I'm thinking, am I the only somewhat grown man playing this game right now? 40 million people have played this game, and I get stuck with Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. Like, how, how did this happen? This is backfiring entirely. But they all know I've got a mic, and so I've got to say something. I can't be the guy that's just, like, not going to say anything. I don't want to. I'm playing video games to ignore people, not meet new people. But... I pipe up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, guys, let's go, hooray. And I kid you not, the first kid, I call him the ringleader, he pipes up, and he's like, oh, man, you're a dad, aren't you? And I'm like, ha, 
And before I could even like speak words, like, how did you, what are you talking about? How did you know that? The next kid pipes up and he's like, oh, we got a dad on our team. Woo! And then the foreign kid's like, you a dad? You a dad? You a dad? And I'm like, I get, yeah. Like, what is happening right now? And so we land on the island and they all start talking about how many wins they've got. Right? Oh, yeah, I got 10 wins. I got eight wins. They're like, dad, how many wins you got? I'm like, boys, boys, it's not about whether you win or lose. It's just about having fun. What a dad thing to say, right? Totally confirmed my fatherhood in that moment. So they're all making fun of me for not having any wins, and the game goes on. And, and there's a thing the game does so that you don't just, like, hide in a bush the whole time, because that's what I would do. And, and it has this, like, shadow, this storm that kind of pushes you into the center of the island. So it's always pushing people into the middle so that you have to actually do something. And so as the game progresses, I'm watching all these guys on my team actually do the work, and they're eliminating people and jumping around, and I just kind of follow them behind in a bush, and I just watch things, and, and my plan is going to work. And uh, eventually it gets to a point where we get the, the storm coming behind us, but we get these enemies in front of us, and there's a big, like, shootout, and it's all going down, and I'm hiding in a bush watching it happen. And I'm down to my last teammate, and he gets eliminated right beside me. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just me. There's no, this is not going to work. But the, the guy who got him stood up and just started to go to the opposite way. And I was like, oh, this is my chance. And so I stand up out of the bush, and I eliminate the bad guy and turn around. And there's a thing you can do in the game where if you get shot, you can actually, like, revive your teammate. That happened to me a bunch of times where I got shot, and they had to bring me back. And they're like, Dad, quit dying. But this time... This time, I shoot the guy, and I bring my teammate back to life, and I'm so fired up in this moment. I kid you not. I said, you just got resurrected by the father. Woo! And I'm, I'm like, all fire. And then I was like, wait, heretical. That's actually borderline heretical. I was just so excited. Kid you not, me and the foreign kid, we won. We made it to the end, and we won the game. I should clarify, I did absolutely nothing. He won. He's, he is a child prodigy. I am sure of it. And he was so good at this game. And we were excited about that, and I was excited about that. I'd like to think my resurrection had a little bit to do with it, but uh, that's not why we're here today. See, we're here today to talk about a resurrection. We're here to talk about a resurrection that comes from a father, and we're here to talk about, you know, a little game of survival that we all kind of find ourselves in, where there is enemies and chaos and storms and nonsense, but at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is a much better resurrection story from a much better father that gives us all the victory at the end of the day. And so today we're here to celebrate Easter because we believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, died on a cross, was raised to life by his Father so that we could have victory over death and darkness once and for all. And so that is why we are here today to celebrate that the victory has been won and Jesus has done it for us. And maybe you're here today and you know that story and you love that story. Maybe you're here today and you're not quite sure what you think about this story. And that's okay, and I'm not going to try and convince you of anything today. I'm not capable of convincing you of believing that, but I do want to talk for a few minutes about the so what of Easter. Because it's one thing to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, but it's another thing entirely to go, okay, well, who cares? What impact does that have on my life? What bearing does it have on me that some guy got brought back from the dead 2,000 years ago? What, what's the so what behind Easter? Because sometimes what we do with Easter is we say, oh, Easter is a fact, but it's not a reality. And I want us to know that it's both today. That you can believe that Easter happened, but it still has bearing on your life today. 
And it's the reality that we live in that Jesus has claimed victory for us today. Here's sometimes what we do to Christianity. We reduce it down to something that really only matters for later. Christianity is really only something that has bearing on my life when my time comes to die. We treat it like eternity insurance. Well, I want to go to heaven when I die, so I better become a Christian now. But what happens if, if you make a decision to follow Jesus, but then 50 years go by before you ever die? Is there anything in between that, that Jesus matters in your life? Does Jesus actually have any bearing on your life in the in-between? And I'm here to tell you absolutely that it means something to follow Jesus Christ today. Absolutely. I, I believe that Jesus matters not just for your life after death, but for your life before death. I believe that the gospel is good news not just for the dying, but also for the living. And it matters that we follow Jesus today. And so we're going to go to the word. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. If you have your Bibles with you, and if you don't, it is on the screen and it says this, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. And it will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies and then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters... Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Isn't that good today? So the author, Hebrews, says, yeah, Jesus has completely gained the victory for us. He has conquered death. It is swallowed up. We can have eternal life. Woo! But then he goes, so. In other words, so this is how it matters to you today. And he goes on to say, so be strong and immovable, for nothing you do for the Lord is ever wasted. In other words, this is the so what. So in the meantime, before that happens for us, we can be strong, we can be confident, we can stand firm, and we can be encouraged that everything that we do for the Lord will be used in some capacity for his kingdom and his glory and his name. None of our days are wasted. Nothing that we do today is wasted, but everything matters today and tomorrow and the next day. It absolutely matters. Jesus transforms our lives today. So here's the bottom line. Jesus has risen from the dead, given us the victory. We celebrate it. Hooray. He went up to heaven. We did not. See, we're still here, right? That, that's kind of the thing about Easter that's a little difficult for us to grasp. We're celebrating that he was resurrected and he's in heaven but we're all still here. And I, and I think sometimes when we celebrate Easter, it can be a little confusing in that regard because we just celebrated Good Friday. Good Friday is when you remember, right? We, we talk about uh, death and blood and pain. Good Friday is dark and quiet and somber, right? But then we get to Easter and we're like, woo, life and resurrection and victory. But after the service is done, we all go home. And let's be honest, it still feels a little bit like a Good Friday world. Like we celebrate resurrection and life, 
But then we go home and our lives feel a little bit like pain and death and there's darkness. And so really what we need to do is figure out how to celebrate Easter in a Good Friday world. What does it mean to follow Jesus and know what he's done and walk in that victory even when it still seems a little bit painful? Uh, Don't believe for a minute the lie that says if you come to Jesus Christ and you live for him that he will eliminate all of your pain and all of your problems. I've had people tell that to me going through a hard time, and they'll say, I thought you were a Christian. I didn't think you went through hard times. Oh, on the contrary, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And so we walk in that in-between land where we're still in this world, and it hurts, but he's overcome it. So we're walking in a victory that sometimes still doesn't feel like victory, and I want us to be encouraged today that it still is And what happened on a cross 2,000 years ago, what happened when Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, absolutely matters today, even if it doesn't feel like it. Trouble does not negate the resurrection. If anything, it validates it. And it says, this is what I resurrected you from. This is what I'm coming to restore and fix and make whole someday. So the cross and victory, it's the first thing I want us to learn today, is that victory can still feel a lot like pain. Victory can still feel a lot like pain. Like the cross is our picture of victory. Uh, We we put it everywhere. We talk about it. You see it on every church. People wear it as jewelry. They get it tattooed on their body. The cross is our picture of victory. It's a super bizarre picture of victory because for most of the world, that is not what victory looks like. You you ask anyone, what does it look like when there's victory? And people will, you know, they'll describe who won the Super Bowl just a month or two ago. Massive stadium, thousands of people losing their minds, hugging strangers, lots of high fives. It rains confetti for like a half an hour at the Super Bowl. I don't know where it comes from. It just keeps dropping fans running onto the field. They're handing out trophies. It's just a crazy time. Victory looks like confetti in a party. The cross looks like blood and pain. But I want you to know, church, that it's still victory. That victory can still feel like pain, but it's still victory. And I'm sure that's how it felt for Jesus' friends and followers. There was not much of a crowd there that day. Most of them had departed. The ones who were left were probably crying. The Bible tells us that the sun even disappeared for a while. I mean, it was dark. It, It looked like the complete opposite of confetti and a party, but it is still our victory. Easter is a celebration that even in the middle of your pain and darkness, Jesus has won the fight. That even in the middle of your pain, God is still there, he is still resurrected, and we can still be alive. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. The cross might look like pain, but God uses it for power. Even when victory hurts, it's still victory. Victory and pain don't have to be at opposite sides of the spectrum, but they can absolutely still work together. That's how God does it a lot of the time. Uh, I don't watch a lot of MMA, you know what I mean by that? Like UFC, these big monsters go into a ring and pound on each other. Whoever doesn't die wins or something like that. That's, That's how it goes. And so I was watching a little bit of this one night, and I I turned it on in time to see a post-fight interview. And they're interviewing this guy, and his face is a mess. Like, his his eye is swollen shut, and he's got bruises, developing bruises. He's been, like, glued up with that glue, and there's wounds, and there's blood. The poor guy can hardly speak, and they're interviewing him. And and so I'm watching this thing, kind of laughing a little bit, because they're like, how'd you feel about the fight? And he's like, oh, 
But he was, he was excited. He was happy. He was like, yeah, hooray. And I was like, man, that guy's got a pretty positive attitude for just getting pummeled and losing a fight. And then I read the fine print at the bottom. That's the guy who won the fight. That's the face of the man who won the fight. And, and at first I thought it was weird, but then it made total sense. Even the guy who won was still in a fight. Church, that's what it feels like. Even though we win, we're still in the fight. Even though Christ has given us the victory, we're still in the middle of the battle. You can still get some bruises. You still might develop some scars along the way, but in no way does that undo the victory that Jesus has already won for us. Our post-fight interview might look a little bit interesting, but it doesn't take away our victory. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Just stop on that sentence just for a minute. You think of the hardest thing in your life right now. Think of the biggest obstacle, the greatest source of pain, whatever the thing is that gives you anxiety, whatever that thing is. You, you picture that and then you read verse 17. It is trouble or it is trouble that is small and won't last very long. Isn't that good? Your biggest concern in life is small and won't last very long, according to the Bible. And you can speak that over your hard times. You can speak that over your obstacles and over your pain on your worst day, your worst thing. You know what? You are small and temporary because we've been given the victory. And it goes on to say, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we focus our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Victory can still feel like pain, but just for a little longer, only for a little while, and it's only temporary at best. And our troubles are even working for us, the Bible says, to produce an even greater glory when that day comes. So don't believe the lie that if you're feeling some pain, that the victory is somehow gone. Don't believe the lie that if you're going through a hard time, then that the resurrection must be a hoax. Easter must not really matter. Absolutely not. Victory can still feel like pain, but it is still victory. Absolutely. Here's another thing that victory can look like. Victory sometimes can still look like darkness. At the cross that day, it says the sun completely disappeared. When it should have been the highest and the brightest, it just goes. This is what Mark 15.33 says. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. So it's not just that victory sometimes feels like pain. Sometimes victory even looks like darkness. And you know what darkness is? Darkness is confusion. Darkness is fear. Darkness is, is just kind of that disorienting sense of I don't know where I am and what's going on and we don't like that. I remember as a kid, I was backstage at the church I grew up in and it was pitch black, no windows, no natural light and I'd never really been back there but we're like kids running around full tilt and all of a sudden I remember there is no longer ground under my feet and I land hard in the baptismal tank. No, like it was not filled up. I just, I landed on my face two or three feet down in the baptismal tank, came up a little bit groggy. To this day, like 25 years later, I am terrified that in the dark, I'm going to fall into a pit somewhere. There's just a pit waiting for me. It's kind of like if you've ever, if you've ever walked down the stairs in the dark, you never know if you're on the last one. So you're always like, is, is this, <laughs> isn't that what darkness feels like sometimes? You're just like, I don't, I don't know where it is. And you're kind of feeling everywhere, and you don't know. It's confusing, and it's not fun. 
Sometimes victory can still feel like darkness, and there will be times in your life when life seems confusing, and you don't know what's going on, you don't know why it's happening, you don't know when it's going to end, it doesn't seem to be light anywhere, but still know in that moment that because of Easter and the resurrection, there's still victory. The darkness does not take away your victory. The darkness does not diminish the victory that had happened. I know that darkness seemed like defeat that day. I'm sure that was one of the most dark, confusing days for Jesus' friends and family. They were not supposed to be at a funeral. They believed he was the Messiah. This is going to go differently. They didn't even have a tomb for him, right? They had to borrow some other guy's tomb. Like, this, this wasn't supposed to happen. It would have been confusing and scary, disorienting. And I'm sure the devil in that moment thought he had the victory. For him, death meant victory. That's his strategy. That's his method. But death was only temporary, and so is the darkness. And so sometimes, as we live in a Good Friday world, it will still seem dark, and it will still seem confusing. But you can still have victory. It was David who wrote in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Right? David walked with God. He knew God. He was a man after God's own heart. He still had valleys and shadows. Just because you have the victory doesn't mean you'll never have a valley. But you still have victory in the middle of your valley. It's still there. And Easter is a celebration of victory, even when there's shadows. How many of you know that light always seems to find a way through the darkness? Always. You know this because you've tried to black out a room so you could sleep at night, and you failed every time. You ever done this? You're trying to make your room dark so you can fall asleep, but there's always something. Like, you, you close your blind, but it's a full moon, and it's just beaming in through your blinds. So you try and close your blind the other way, right? You flip it this way. Nothing works. Throw a blanket over the window. Finally, it's dark, and all of a sudden, the neon light from your digital alarm clock is, like, blinding, and you're like, ah! You unplug it and throw it across the room, and, and you're finally, it's dark, and then you get a text message, and your phone lights up like a floodlight, and you're like, ah! You flip it over. You can never get it pitch black. There's always enough light somewhere, somehow. And, and here's the great thing about light. No matter how deep and dark the darkness is, even the dimmest light can cut through. Light always seems to find a way to cut through the darkness. And that is exactly what Jesus did for us at Easter. John 1.4 says, The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You see the tense on those words? The light shines, present, still happening. The light is still shining in the darkness. And darkness will never, can never, won't extinguish it. There's always going to be light, even in our darkness. There is still victory when it feels like darkness. It was Leonard Cohen who famously wrote, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And that's how it feels sometimes in the world when things look broken. Sometimes that's the way that God gets his light in. And so know that there's victory, even if you're walking in a dark season. Sometimes we assume that when there's darkness, it means separation, that God is no longer with me. He's abandoned me. I can't find him. I can't see him. Doesn't mean he's not there. And this is what David concluded in Psalm 23. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid because you are with me. And God is with you even in your darkness. He is the light that is with you. And you know what? We've actually got it one better than David because while David walked with God, after the resurrection now, the Bible says that the same power who raised Christ from the dead lives in us. 
So it's not just that we have to go looking for the light. We have the light. It's in us. Everywhere we go, we get to be that light that is shining. And we often call Jesus the light of the world. But here's what Jesus says about his church, Matthew 5, 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Even in our darkest of dark moments, we still have the light of the world. And we get to be the ones that shine it. And that's partly our job now, that Easter is over 2,000 years ago, but still matters today, is that now we get to be a light that goes into a dark world and shines that light everywhere we possibly can for people who are still confused and lost in the darkness. He says, Paul says, be strong and immovable and work enthusiastically. Let's go shine our light wherever we possibly can. So victory can feel like pain and look like darkness, but is still absolutely victory. And that is what we celebrate at Easter. Victory means that we won. Victory means that it's done. It's over. Now, that is a little confusing for us, because sometimes when you win, usually that means you're done. Right? If you're playing hockey and your team wins, great. You can go take off your gear, head to the showers, game over, it's done. But for us at Easter, we declare the victory, but we're not done. So it's, it's a little different in that regard. And so we need to be strong and immovable and work enthusiastically because there still is work to be done. It's kind of like this. Uh, how many of you watched the Olympics a couple months ago, a month ago? Nine. Cool. <laughs> the Olympics are a thing that happens every four years, sporting events. Um, so I was watching the Olympics, and usually I don't care about, like, most winter Olympic sports. You could not pay me to watch like cross-country skiing and curling and whatever. But as soon as the Olympics that, that's on, I like reprioritize my whole life. Like we're going to watch all of these things. Legitimate thing I said to my kids, at least once this winter, you're going to be late for school, curling's on. It's like, it's why, why? But I just get sucked into the Olympics. I love it. And uh, there was one girl, this was near the end of the Olympics, there was a Canadian girl uh, who was competing in the ski halfpipe, which... I didn't know it was a thing until three months ago, but now it's my favorite, all right? And so I was watching this girl, and she was just crushing it. She was so good, because I know, because I love the ski halfpipe, apparently. And, and she was doing so good, but legitimately to the point where she had done so well that she had guaranteed herself the gold medal before she actually had to do her third and final run. So all of her competitors that were close enough to catch up had gone, and anyone else who was left wasn't going to be able to catch up. So she had guaranteed herself the gold medal, but still had to do one final run. Can you imagine how much pressure that would alleviate? Can you imagine that third and final run? Just no worry, no concern, no sweat at all. I mean, she's still got to go down a half pipe, right? But it really doesn't matter what she did in that moment, because no matter how bad it got, nothing could take away from the fact that the gold medal was hers. Right? They're like chiseling her name onto it or whatever they're doing. Right? It, it's, it's a done deal. She still has to go down the hill, though. She's at the top of the hill. She needs to be at the bottom of the hill. That's where they're going to give her the goods, and the ceremony's going to happen, and all of her friends are waiting for her. So she's still got to go down, and, and that's still a challenge. She could have tripped. She could have fallen. Right? The weather could have been bad. She might not have been feeling well. Whatever. All these circumstances could have still played into the fact that on her final run, it could have gone terribly, but she still gets her gold medal. She got a trip at the top, rolled all the way to the bottom, broke every limb, crawled across the finish line, gold medal. 
right? And isn't that kind of the perfect picture of what it means to follow Jesus? Church, the victory is ours. It's done. We know that we win. There's nothing that we can do that can take away from that or remove that from us, right? This is what Paul says, man, I'm, I am running my race to reach the end of the line, so I'm going to get my prize, and it is going to be good. And so it means that we're alleviated from this, this pressure of having to earn salvation or the work that I'm going to have to do to, am I going to get there? I don't know what's going to happen. We, man, it's over. We win. But we're still on our final run. And there's a lot that could happen on this final run. And it might get a little bit painful. We might trip along the way. We might get a few bruises. Some of us might crawl across the finish line. But when we get there, church, we know that it is over. And death has been swallowed up. And that gold medal is ours. So victory might still feel like pain sometimes, and it might still look like darkness sometimes, but it will never take away from the fact that what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago for us still stands, and we are not capable of losing what Christ has won. We are not strong enough to, to be bad enough to lose what he has already won for us. It'll be challenging, but he says you'll be strong. It'll be difficult, but he says you'll be immovable. It says there's work to do on this final run, but you can know that everything you do will be useful. Nothing will be wasted. It's the so what of Easter. Yeah, it gives me hope for later when I die and stand before God and he gets to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because of anything I did, but because of everything that Jesus did for me. But until that day comes, what I do here now matters. I get to go be the light of the world. I get to go shine to people who need it. I get to work enthusiastically. We, we have a job to do on our final run because there's still people watching. There's still people looking. There's still people waiting. And we want them to know that there's also victory for them as well, even when it hurts and even when it's hard. There is hope and joy and peace and strength that I get from Jesus that you cannot find anywhere else. You cannot manufacture it with human strength. It's only found in Jesus. That's why we celebrate. Because he's alive, but he's made us alive too. Even sometimes when life feels a little bit like Good Friday, Easter still stands and we still have the victory. Amen? So I want to pray for us as we close today. And I want to give you the opportunity to maybe invite Jesus into your life today. Maybe you've never made that decision Maybe you've been wondering about it, thinking about it. Maybe you felt God speak to you today in, in some kind of capacity. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you call on his name, you will be saved. Today can be the day you get your prize, gold medal, but you're not done. But you can claim the victory today. And for your final run, you can have more peace and grace and hope and strength than you ever thought possible. Why? Because the work has been done for you. And so I'm just going to invite you guys to pray a prayer with me. But if you're here today and you would like to make that decision to follow Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Um, and you think, well, people are going to see my hand if it's raised. Yeah, hard to be a light of the world when no one can know that you follow Jesus, right? And so if you're here today and you would like to pray this prayer with us in just a minute, uh, I'm just going to ask, would you raise your hand in the air so we can know who we're praying for? We've had people in our services already raise their hands and we've celebrated. And if not, that's fine too. But man, this is what we do. This is what Easter's all about, right? Let me pray for us today. Jesus, you are so good and we celebrate you today. Father, if there are people here today that want to make a decision to follow you, I pray that they would just simply repeat this prayer. Jesus Christ, I invite you to come into my life. I pray that you would forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. Make me a new creation 
I pray that I would someday experience the resurrection that you have also experienced. But in the meantime, help me to be a part of your kingdom and to do the work. And Father, I just pray for the people that are here today that are part of your church. I pray that they would go home feeling encouraged. If they feel like they're worn out and weary and broken, I pray that you would be streams of living water for them. I pray that you would refresh them. I pray that you would build their faith, give them encouragement, give them grace and peace that surpasses understanding. I pray that we would go now live in the world to such a degree that our best celebration of Easter doesn't end on Easter, but it keeps going tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day so that we would be a light in the darkness. You are so good, and we love you. We pray all these things, and the church together said, amen.